Praise God. Praise God. I just think we should be praying for those young people that have just gone out, you know. Father, we want to pray. We want to pray for Adam. Father, we want to pray for Luke. Father, we want to pray for Amy. We want to pray for all the young people that you are bringing into us. We want to pray, Lord Jesus, that they would be young people who would know the heartbeat of God. Father, we pray that they would be young people who would be filled with the spirit of the living God. Father, we pray that they would be young people who would encounter the real Jesus. That, Father, they wouldn't have to encounter the religious rubbish that many of us put up with for years. But, Lord, they could know you in an intimate and deep way. We pray for their future husbands. We pray for their future wives, that they would be men and women of God. That they would have an apostolic vision, not only just to reach Herm Bay, but to reach the really needy people, the ones we miss, the ones that we walk past. Lord Jesus, that you would put such a passion in them for you and for your presence. And Lord Jesus, thank you that they are today's church. They are not tomorrow's church. They are part of us now. Father, we want to thank you that you are God, that you love little children, and that you are raising up a generation of Samuels who hear the word when people like me sit on our chair thinking we know it all. Jesus, by the power of your spirit, work deeply in Adam, in Luke, in Amy, in the young people that you are bringing into this church, that Margaret's vision would be fulfilled, that we would see this room filled with children and young people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Isn't it great about Ivan and Sarah? Isn't it great? Ah, I've I've been um, concocting a Portuguese prayer for you for the last half an hour. But no, I really have been. But I just sense that I shouldn't try and show off, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Slava Bogu. And Martin, you're a blessing, mate. I tell you, you bless me out of your socks, out of my socks, um, when uh, when we met the other day. What a loving man you are. My goodness, is that on the tape? Make sure Whitstable download that. He's a nice guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh well, I'm out of time. Okay. Well, I'm going to be good. Um, What I want to speak about this morning is the essential word of God. I think the word of God, this book, this is the most important thing, bit of kit that we've got. Believe me, this is is our life. And I'm going to try and very briefly explain why. Um, If you want to know the long reason why, then email me and I'll send you pages of the stuff. (laughs) Uh, But I want to look at the importance of the word of God, which is the Bible. I want to look at how the word of God is contested and how we deal with that. And thirdly, uh, the word of God being the entrance to the presence of God. It's nice, isn't it? eh? So, fantastic. So the first thing I want to speak about is the importance of the word of God. Now, I hear people sometimes say, oh, the Bible, it's like my handbook. It's my guidebook. And, And that's okay. But it's the word of God. It is the word of God. It's not just a map that helps us out. It is the word of God, the very word of God. The name of the second person of the Trinity is Jesus, the Word of God. And John 1, 1 and 2, it's in the notes, so you won't need to jot these down. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Down to verse 14, it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, 
and we beheld his glory. As of the only begotten son from the father, full of grace and truth. This Bible is the inspired word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16. We all know, one, we all know John 1.3.16, don't we? John 3.16. Well, 2 Timothy 3.16. The word of God. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. I mean, what an awesome thrill that our Lord and our maker and our creator actually wants to reveal himself to us through his word. It's amazing. Now, the word of God was written and inspired by the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter 1, 20 to 21 says, But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. No prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men, moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. So we can ask the Holy Spirit to be our interpreter. He wrote the book, so perhaps he is the one who is able to teach us and tell us what he's trying to say from the book. See, the word of God, I think, shows the three-in-heart nature of God. God is three in one. You have the Father in the beginning, the Father, with the Father, Jesus, the Word, with the Father, who, into, who breathed the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit, three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the book is a book of the Trinity. Now, some of you are aware, 23, 24 years ago, around the times that the angels were appearing at the Dale's Bible Week, Julia and I had a pretty amazing encounter with God. And I tell you what, I'm hungry for that again. Not the same old thing, the stuff, remember some of the stuff back in the early 80s? It's great what God's doing now, but I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry for that presence of God, that authentic presence of God. And I know I bored many of you with that already. But uh, as some of you know, I couldn't really read, I couldn't really write. A bit dopey, a bit dyslexic, although in those days it just meant you were thick. When, we were, when you're my age, and uh, got filled with the Spirit, and I trotted off to the Bible shop in Canterbury, and I saw dear Fred, who for £42 sold me this wonderful Bible. And I prayed the money in as well, and it was a lot of money in those days. God's good. Gave it, I used to give away Bibles, used to buy NIVs, sorry. <laughs> with Isaiah 40 taken out. I used to take, buy NIVs and I used to just hand them out to people on the streets. I was terrible. But I had such a love for the word of God. We lived in this awful little room. We shared a bathroom. We just got married. And every morning I would come down the steps of this house into this tiny little room where this old lady who owned the house stored all her furniture. And there was dust sheets and dirt. And put 50p in the meter. And I would read this. I would read it. I was wrapped up in blankets. I was in coats. I couldn't really read but this book came alive to me in that grotty, smelly dump before I had to go off to work Sundays and Saturdays and weekends and evenings. Bleh. I would read this book and it would come alive to me. I tell you what, I couldn't read. I didn't even get through Janet and John. I struggled with Thomas the Tank Engine, but I got hold of this book and God did something in me. And uh, in our last church, we had another lady. She was dyslexic and an Ian Andrews me- meeting. She picked up the word of God and she started to read it. A little bit faultingly, but it's just amazing. I tell you what, God is fantastic and he's committed to his word. We'll come back to that. But there is a price to pay. What you sow in is what you will reap out. 
We could have done whatever in those days, but we gave our time early in the morning to read the word. Evening, read the word. Got rid of the telly, read the word, read the word, read the word. I have a telly now, so please don't be impressed. And I love football, so that's okay. (laughs) Now, what you put in front of your eyes is very important. I'll come back to this later. And uh, Genesis 30, 37 to 43, love to do about six weeks on this. It's all about Jacob and his sheep. Believe me, what you put before your eyes is what will come out of your heart. So, yeah, read the Daily Telegraph, watch the news, go to football matches, do whatever you want to do, but also make sure you keep this word in front of your eyes. Psalm 119, it says, that Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. I believe the word of God is a plumb life, plumb line to our life. Ecclesiastes 12:13. I love this verse. In conclusion, when all has been heard, when all has been heard is this. Fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. Whether you're a wild charismatic leader, whether you're struggling to bring up kids on your own, whether you're here, whether you've been let down by family, whatever, let me tell you that these commandments apply to every person. This loving God of ours wants to speak to every person. Church is irrelevant, don't like it, boring, it's too girly. I'll tell you what, this word still applies to you. This is the word of God, it applies to us. Psalm 119, verse 105. Anyone know what that is? Very close. The word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Yeah. Sing along with me. Your name is like honey. On my lips, your spirit like water to my soul. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Good song, isn't it? It's also truth. It's also truth. This is a guide. You want to know where your next job is? It's your guide. Where your wife is, there's your guide. How to use your money, here's your guide. It's the word of God. The word of God is our sustenance. Again, in Psalm 119, verse 116, it says, Sustain me, O Lord, according to your word, that I might live, and do not let me be ashamed of my hope. We step out the boat sometimes, don't we? We kind of hope in God, we kind of go for it. And we're a bit worried we're going to be ashamed, we're going to be knocked down. But we will never be ashamed because our hope is in Jesus and in his word, the word of God. Let's get nitty gritty. The word of God is relevant to issues we face and it's a good confession. Again, Psalm 119 verse 9 to 11 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to the law of the Lord. With all my heart I have sought thee. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart, that I may not sin against you. Getting this word in can actually prevent us from falling into sin. Because when we're tempted to put the knife into that rather annoying person in the church who I couldn't really name, it's no, love one another. It's what comes out of the book. You think, I'm not going to make that comment. I'm not going to agree with that thing that I've overheard. You know, in these days, I think we can be distracted by so many fads of men, 
Christian ideas, Christian ideals. We must find out what the word of God says about things and always seek to understand God's word in context. Don't cherry pick the word of God. I've got this little verse and it's really great. Have you read the verses either side of it? (laughs) See the context of God's word. Very important. And ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to his word. He really is the best teacher. Because there's little, there's nothing really more frightening than moving out in disobedience to the word of God. No time to look at it in depth, but in Deuteronomy 1, we have one of the most horrific verses in the whole Bible. And it says it's 11 days to Kadesh Barnea. 11 days, the children of God were 11 days from moving into their inheritance. And God said, go! I said, oh, I don't know, not giants, Ooh, it's looking a bit dodgy, don't think we can. God was angry with them and he said, okay, you won't be going in. They thought, oh, whoops, perhaps we shall go in then. So they were disobedient to the word, they raced in and they were sorely, sorely beaten. If we move out on presumption on the word of God, I tell you, we're going to be in trouble. We need to hear the word of God and I'll come to how we weigh it with others and so forth a little bit later. But only two, that, that whole generation, only two people made it, Joshua and Caleb. And they were men of the presence of God and they were men of the word of the God. And for all you Caleb's out there, their daughters really went for it as well, which is, I always think is rather fantastic. Yes, amen. Yeah. Give me springs of water. I want it as well. I want it. I don't want my dad to be known as a great man of God. I want it. Why can't I? Give me springs of water. Don't have? Don't ask. So ask and you can have. Both were men of God and both were men of God's word. Therefore, even if I have experience in the things of God, I know Bryn Jones or I knew him, whatever, I still need to humble myself and submit myself to the word of God. Not manipulate it to sort of suit my ideas. See, if we soak ourselves in the word... We'll be equipped and we'll be ready for whatever comes. We'll be ready for whatever comes. If we ignore God's word, we can quickly slip into patterns, structures, religious traditions. And as we know, tradition is the only thing that makes the word of God void. If we do things based on experience and sentiment, brothers and sisters, we will not grow individually or numerically. If we base what we're doing on the word of God, following the Holy Spirit and loving one another, then... Bell tinge is the limit. (laughs) We could actually see people radically changed in this area and come to know this wonderful saviour of ours. If we just kind of ignore it, we'll have good worship, we'll have the odd good word, good times of praise, but we'll never be effective because the Holy Spirit kind of loves to anoint this and act on, on the word of God. Had to come, didn't it? Hebrews 4, 12, 13. Homework, we'll know this off by heart. For the word of God is living, it's a surprise to some, it's living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division between soul and spirit and joint and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Whoops, tipex that bit out of my Bible. For there is no creature, even chickens, hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. I once, heard, I once heard someone say, you know, let God's word read you. you know, open the word of God 
and let it read me, almost like a mirror. Just let it read me. And it just starts to read my thoughts, starts to read my intentions, starts to look at my very deepest motivations. And for us guys who have a real heart to serve in the kingdom of God, we've got to make sure that we submit ourselves to the word of God and that we submit all of our feelings and thoughts and ambition to the word of God. It's so important. If I dare say before I'm frog marched out of the front that I think this is why many people in the church struggle with issues of authority. You know, I can bring my old self into the church and uh, learn how to sing and praise and read the word and pray properly, whatever that is. Become a bit of a professional Christian. But inside, I haven't really let the word do its work on me. And David comes up, puts his arm around me, says, Julian, um, just, you know, do you want to adjust that a little bit, you know? And I go, hmm. Huh, huh. tell me, I'm a Christian, and get all upset. It's not about my rights. It's about Jesus. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about God's rule and God's reign. It's not about my rights. It's about his kingdom being built, his way. And if you want to hear Tom Shaw's word from Church on the Farm, that's really great. If you haven't got a clue what that is, see me. I will make you a CD of it because it speaks to us about our motivations and and and. and he, he's done a lot better than I could do. But let's soak ourselves in the word of truth because then we'll see that our value and our, our, just our value before God comes from the word, not any label that a man can stick on us. So the word of God is our foundation. Jesus is our cornerstone. Everything comes from him and everything, so to speak, is measured from him as well. Now the word of God is essential when it comes to seeking God's guidance. And God's words encourages us to ask for wisdom. So obviously we go to James 1 verse 5. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Again, read the verses around it. See the context. But if we ask for wisdom, God says he'll give it to us. That's wonderful, isn't it? Now, we can read the consequences of asking and receiving wisdom when we read the story of Solomon. I think this is in the notes. It's 2 Chronicles 1, 8 to 13, and the cross-reference with 1 Kings 3, 3 to 15. Amazing. And yet he still blew it at the end, didn't he? (laughs) Solomon. But my goodness, he received wisdom. Now, we need to be open when the Holy Spirit prompts us from the word of God. Because be assured, if he prompts us, it's because the Holy Spirit wants to do something. Remember, Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. Now, see who's done their homework now. It's feel guilty time. Last week, Lizzie shared a word from... Shout it out. Give me the verse. Numbers 18, verse 20. About the Lord being our... Inheritance. Okay. I don't want to get into trouble. She spoke to us about the Lord being our inheritance. There it was, worshipping. The Lord's our inheritance. You know, being let down by folk, being let down by your family, whatever. The Lord is your inheritance. The Lord is your inheritance. What have I done with that word? Have I looked at it? Have I prayed about it? Have I taken it back and said, Father, you're my inheritance? Have I? I'll share a bit of my own heart, which is that 
you know, earlier this week, I was missing my dad. He died 11 years ago, and he was a godly man, lovely guy. And I just thought, oh, just be nice if I could just have half an hour with my dad. You know how the, 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 the charismatics come alongside and go, oh, but don't worry, God's your father. And you want to slap them, you know, do you know what I mean? Is that right? I miss my husband. Oh, yes, but Jesus is your husband. It is true. It is true. And I thought, oh, I'd just, just, just love to chat to my dad about a few things. And I remembered Liz's word. God said, I am your inheritance. Now, either that's Lizzie having a good day, or it's true, or it's wrong. But it's in the Bible, and there are people in this body, and me this week, who are really feeling it about missing the dad, missing the mum, feeling really gutted about marriage going up the pole or whatever. God says, I am your inheritance. So it must be true. The fun is trying to work it out. Anyone remember David's word? Nathaniel, there you are. Okay. John 1, 45. Guys, if we want to grow in God, we need to start hearing. I know we are, but let's start hearing what God's saying to us. Let's take it away. David's given a word about puppets. Anyone written it down? Write it down. You know, get towards the end of this week. Oh, I don't know. John wouldn't let me read a scripture this morning. Well, hang on. You're not puppets. You can. Just come say, I'd like to share Psalm 103 this morning. Of course you can. Let's apply it. When we hear the word of God, let's apply it to the word of God. And let's act on the word of God. That way we grow. Especially as we make mistakes. But that's okay if it's done in love. So, remember, the Lord is our inheritance. That's what he said to us. Nathaniel. Who was Nathaniel? Probably a bit of a boy, wasn't he? Kind of looking for the Israel and what we're going to do and... Jesus knew exactly where he was. I saw you under a fig tree. Whoa, that's pretty impressive. You're going to see more than that. Oh, I saw you at Beacon reading a psalm during worship. How lovely. But you're going, to, you're going to see more than that. You're going to see breakthroughs in your family you've been dreaming of for years come about because of the word of God, because of the spirit of God. It's exciting days, I tell you. Anyway, moving on. On the other final thing I would say... The wonderful new website, which I think is fantastic, has got some testimonies on it. Hallelujah! <laughs> it's got testimonies on it from Sarah and from Louis. And what does Sarah say? Romans 6 really spoke to me. Not sort of, oh, David gave this great word about Jesus loving me, and it really changed my life. It's Romans 6 really spoke to me. It was the word of God. It came alive. It became active. And it's changed her. So now she's marrying a really, really nice Christian bloke. <laughs> Ole <laughs> Jesus Christus Right, so Now the word of God will be Obrigada, <laughs> senor Is that a naught out of ten for that one? <laughs> no, I won't go So secondly the word of God will be contested. Now, there's been loads of teaching on this, so there's just two or three points I want to bring out. But I'd actually like to read some of the word, because the enemy knows the written word. He'll go, boo, when we hear about the enemy. And uh, he can quote the word of God, but he is defeated by the word of God. So important, not by emotion, not by... Uh, he's defeated by the word of God. So... Um, this is actually from the NIV, so I'm really growing. 
Luke 4, 1 to 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end he was hungry. So he was a man as well as truly God. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, let this stone become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. The devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want. So if you worship me, it will be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning to guard you carefully. They will lift up your hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered and said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Now the devil came to Jesus. Now whose was the last voice that Jesus had heard? Father's voice, that's right. He'd heard the Father's voice when the Holy Spirit had come upon him when he'd been baptised in water by John the Baptist. And can you remember what the Father said? That's right. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Next few bits aren't in the notes, but it's interesting up until that point. In fact, this was drawn out together for a mission, which I was a bit annoyed about because I thought I'd got it first, so I had to be pruned. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> know that one. Well, up until that point, what had Jesus done? He hadn't prayed for anyone, hadn't healed any sick people, hadn't raised anyone from the dead. And yet the Father's saying, here's my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. It's a bit weird, isn't it? But maybe the key to this is the fact he was obedient to his parents. He was obedient to the law of God. And you can check that out in Luke 2, 49 to 52. I spoke about the word of God being living and how it came alive. I just want to do a little, just a little side jump for 30 seconds because I saw something this morning that I haven't seen. I mean, I've had this rammed down my throat for 49 years and I've kind of been excited about this passage for 26 years, but I've never seen it. In the NIV, it says in verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert. Now, every preacher will say, Jesus was led into the Spirit, and he came out in the power of the Spirit. And everyone gets excited and falls over. That's what you're supposed to do. But I looked, and I said, hang on a minute. That doesn't say what I think it says. It says, he returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert. So I thought, not to the desert, but in the desert. So I thought, okay, let's look in my New American And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led about by the Spirit in the wilderness. I've never seen it. I'm really excited. I've never seen it. I thought the the Spirit said, right, you're full of me, go. And he sort of left there and kind of, I've now got to fight the devil and stand on the word. And, oh, no, I've got, oh, I mustn't eat. And, oh, you know. No. The Spirit was continuing to lead him around. I've never seen it. I was really excited. I nearly knocked the budgie out of his cage. I went, yes! Which was kind of weird, because we don't have a budgie. 
the police came and moved me out of my neighbor's house and it was fine. So. But I'd never seen, he was continuing to, you know, he said, oh Lord, I'm having such a bad time, but you know, I know that, you know, something says you'll never leave me and forsake me. He's still leading us. I never, I never seen it before. You know, if, if, if you're a biblical scholar, please correct me afterwards, genuinely, if I've got this wrong, because I'm actually quite excited about that. He continued to lead him, lead him about the wilderness. It wasn't just Jesus trying in his own strength with the Holy Spirit in him to battle off the enemy. I've never seen it before. Maybe you've preached it for years here. And I'm, just, I'm just so excited about that. Fantastic. So I think that hearing, I say this carefully, weigh this carefully, but I believe when you hear the enemy's voice, sometimes it proves that we are actually on track with where the Holy Spirit is taking us. I really stand to be correct on that, but I just get that sense that as you hear the enemy's voice, sometimes we, it's actually because we're, we're on track. I also believe, this isn't in the notes, and again I stand to be correct here, but I don't think the enemy came in, <laughs> Jesus, turn these stones into bread. I don't think he did that. I really don't. I think he came up to Jesus and said, You've had a tough time, haven't you? You're a good man. You're hungry. You've done so well. Just have some bread. I think that's how he came. Does he come to you in the middle of the night going, and all that horrible stuff? Or is it just that little subtle whisper? You know what, Barbara? You're not loved, really. You know that sort of thing? Yeah? You are, by the way. Very much so. What a saint. Standing in the pouring rain yesterday in Canterbury. Healing. That's kingdom, I tell you. Fantastic. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. An example. An example to us. He comes to us and he says, you know what, Julian? It was all right, but you know you said that thing. So-and-so's upset with you about that. They ring you up. You know, you're in trouble. Fear, worry, anxiety. You know, oh, Steve thinks you've played a wrong note on the keyboard there. He'll have you. Oh, no, no. We're brothers. <laughs> We love one another. No, no, no. The word of God is truth. I don't want a, gent- a gentle arm around me. Let's use the word of God. Let's not be fooled by the enemy's schemes. He's not omnipresent either, so sometimes we don't need him because my mind's quite capable of ruining everything, which is why we have to get our minds submitted to the word of God too. I've had, uh, you know, literally, you just have this in the back of your head. You can have a time, but actually sometimes, in, a, in I don't know whether Steve's experienced this, a time actually when you almost sense you're in something quite anointed. It's almost pretty good. You think, wow, this might actually be touching God's heart. And a little voice comes in your head. Just run. Just go. Go. Leave it all. Just go. Gentle voice. Just the gentle whisper. That ain't God. Sarah, give up. Don't worry about the passport office. Just, you know. What's the point? What's the point? Come on, what's the point? No, no. That's why we need to be based on the word of God, you know. This is the truth, not the circumstances around us. I'd love to go into that deeper, but um, we all know our Achilles heel. We all know where we come short. Time after time, at together in the mission, they kept saying, numbers 11, numbers 11. So I thought, oh, this is a great word. I'm going to put it to one side. I'm going to study Numbers 11. It's fantastic because it seemed to be a, a theme that God was saying to the guys who were at the Together in a Mission Conference. So I'm going to that now and I'm just trying to follow it up. I'm saying, Father, what are you saying to me 
from Numbers 11. So, if you hear the voice, you've failed, you've fallen short, your marriage is a sham, you haven't got any money, your kids this and that other, come back to the word of God. Come back to the word. Yes, Jesus does love me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's great. He does, he loves us, and he's given us his word. And there is hope, and there is life with the word of God. Oh man, there is so life. So, how did Jesus use the, the word of God? when it came to the temptation. He dealt with the offer of bread to meet his natural need by the word of God. He dealt with the compromise offer of worship, the worship of man, by the word of God. He dealt with the abuse of God's word, and we sometimes see it abused, don't we, in places, by the correct use of the word of God. When we are tempted, use the word of God. Temptation is not sin, What a freeing thing. Temptation is not a sin. It's how I react to it which will determine which direction I take. Only 14 more sheets. That's good. Three. So here's a little word of wisdom, I hope. If you've not sown the word of God into your life, you're going to struggle to draw the word of God out. Remember, the enemy doesn't play fairly. It's holiday season. Sells, we're going to have a month off, be great. And, ah, the devil don't take a holiday. Okay? Now, don't be frightened about that. Just continue to enjoy the word of God. Even if you just say, well, Psalm 23 is about all I can do. Fantastic. Let his goodness and mercy pursue you like a ravenous dog all the days of your life. Fantastic. Then you can get onto Ezekiel 47 and have fun in the river and your knees and your ankles and bumpsy daisy. And the fish came towards them, by the way. They didn't go out looking for them. <sighs> so, word for new Christians. People who have just come recently to know the Lord. And that is that sometimes that initial encounter can start to wane. You know, centre of attention. Oh, we love you. We pray for you. Everyone's had you around for dinner or whatever. And, oh, I had 50 pounds in the post. It's all very exciting. And it just starts to kind of wane a little bit. That's the time to really get into the word of God. Because that is what will sustain you. If not, you'll do what I did a little bit. You start to look for more revelation. Well, perhaps I'll buy a Jerusalem Bible and look at what it says in Ecclesiasticus. Or perhaps there's some teaching here which is about this. And you can just start to get knocked away. From a good heart, just I I want a slightly higher revelation. No, this is all we need. This is what we need. And when David and John come and they share this word, then, yeah, we have our cell group questions. Always a fun, those are, aren't they? We have our cell group questions. But also, why not just take this fantastic series we had on 1 Corinthians? You think, well, I know God doesn't really speak to me in the Bible. It's a very big book, and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and David deflected from Ziglag. And what's all that about? Well, we've had a series on Corinthians. Tapes are available. CDs are available. I guess downloads will be available soon from Corinthians. Go back to Corinthians and just look at it. Study it. Look at what John had to say about it. There's some fantastic stuff in there. And let God's word speak to you. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has entered the heart of man. All the things that God has got for those who love him. Some fantastic stuff in there. And see the context. There's no higher revelation. And finally, the word is the entrance to the presence of God. You know, it takes the focus off me once we start looking at the word of God. 
And this, gives, this word gives us incredible insights into the activity of our Father in heaven. And the Holy Spirit loves to cooperate with the word of God. Loves to, can't resist it. Can't resist the word of God. And the Bible shows us how to have access to this wonderful Lord and Saviour. Psalm 130 verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in him do I hope. And probably my favourite scripture in the whole Bible, which is Psalm 27, 4 to 6. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will conceal me in his tabernacle, in the secret place of the tent. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer sacrifices with shouts of praise. Yes, I will sing to the Lord. It's the word of God. Now, weigh the word with the word. Very important to do that. We can drop into natural sentiment and and my kind of fallen nature just sort of creeps back in. But that's not a solid foundation. This, this word of God, the Bible you have in your hand, that is the foundation on which we're going to build. Only God's word and only God's Holy Spirit can teach us and can truly show us the motives of our heart. So the context, as I've said before, is so important. It's been said by many people, but Proverbs 31, Proverbs has 31 chapters. Most months have 31, excuse me, have 31 days. So you don't know what to read in the Bible? I know some are ploughing through various books, which is excellent. But take Proverbs, Proverbs 12. Actually, that's not a bad one. 14 is pretty cracking too. <laughs> Deep breath on 31, Louis. <laughs> um, but it's, it's just take Proverbs and just read each one each day. So it's the 17th of August day, I'll read Proverbs 17. And in a month's time, I challenge you to come back to me and say, I felt God speak to me out of this. I felt God speak to me on the 14th, on the 19th, on the 2nd. I felt God speak to me. Proverbs, it's the word of God. It's wisdom from a man who asked God for wisdom and asked the Holy Spirit to highlight what he's saying to you. So we're nearly done now. 1 Chronicles 12.32 says this, And the sons of Issachar, men who understood the times with the knowledge of what Israel should do, their chiefs for 200... And their kinsmen were at their command. (laughs) Oh boy. There is so much in there. But I believe that these were men of the word of God. Because we don't only need men and women of God who understand the times. Problems with banks, problems with this. We need men of God who who know what to do. How do we act? How do we react? And the principles of how we act and react will come only from here. The Holy Spirit will give. There is, the word puppet isn't in the Bible. But the sense and the heart of what David says is bang slap in there in truth. He's not a God of control. He's a God of release. And he's a father who keeps his arm around us. So we need to know from the word of God what to do. Often, you know, especially in the church, I know what's wrong. But we need people that know what to do and can act on it. I believe the challenge for us here at Beacon, for me, for us, is to get hold of the word of God and to soak ourselves in it. Not as a legalistic thing, but just to soak 
ourselves in the word of God. Even if it's just your goodness, your mercy will pursue me all the days. Even if that's all you've got. The word of God is a great help in times of disappointment. Guess most of us in many ways have been or are disappointed. But the word of God, this is, this is light. This is life. This is life. So develop your love in his word. Love the book and love the author. <laughs> Was it, is it J.K. Rowling when she releases these books? I think on the first night at midnight, she sits in some big bookshop in London and reads it. And I guess if you're into those books, the best way to hear it is with her speaking it and sharing it. And I think it's the same when we come to the Bible. Say, Lord, I'm not very good at reading, which I certainly wasn't. And I'm not really quite sure where to go. I think Psalms or Proverbs are probably a bit easier. Please help me. Please speak to me. Please show me. And I believe the Holy Spirit will. If you want to read a story, Julia noticed that if I'm ever stuck, I think, oh, I don't know. I go to 1 Samuel and I just read the story. Real people, real life, real situations. It's just a great book. If you don't know where to read in the Bible, go to, go to Samuel. And obviously, pick a gospel. They're pretty good. Uh, I suggest Luke, because if you do Mark, even though it's short, it gets a bit confusing in the middle. <laughs> so, earlier I mentioned it's very important what you put, put before your eyes. and It's a cheap shot to say, don't read those magazines, don't watch that on TV. Uh, that's not where I'm coming from. My heart is, and I believe the Lord's heart is, that we put the word of God before our eyes. Enjoy the cricket. Enjoy mastermind, whatever. Fantastic. But also put the word of God, because we need to be relevant and connected with the real world, but also put the word of God before your eyes. And I just would suggest three things that we love one another. Let's love one another. Opportunity to put the knife in, let's love one another. Let's be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ah, David's a great bloke. I'm not just saying that. He is. When we had the, was it the prayer and fasting day, we came in to pray and David comes and he says, right, who isn't speaking in tongues? Come on, God's told me, let's do it, let's do it, come on. Just got on with it. It's fantastic. God has spoken to him, he acted on it, and by the grace of God, it changed lives. It's good, isn't it? It's pretty simple. I wish it was always that simple. But let's love one another. Let's be filled with the Holy Spirit. And let's be filled with the word of God. Remember, all scripture is inspired of God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. I'm just going to sit down at this point. Now, these are serious days, I believe, that we're living in. And I believe that they are precious days, too. And, and as I was preparing... I felt a bit cross because I sensed God speaking to me. <laughs> um, and he told me to do something which I don't want to do. And that is that I just want to invite anyone in this room who would just like something fresh, a fresh revelation, just a fresh touch from the word of God, just to stand, I'll pray, and then we'll have coffee. Nothing heavy. And I tell you what, I'm going to stand because... I want more of the word of God. So if you want more of the word of God, I just invite you to stand and then I'm going to pray.
Father God, I want to thank you so much that your word is complete and utter truth. Father, I want to thank you that your Holy Spirit breathes life into the word. Holy Spirit, I pray for us together as a family. Lord Jesus, as we come to your word afresh in these coming days, I pray that you would speak to me, that you would speak to us. Father, thank you. You are good. We bless your holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in me. Bless his holy name. Father, we pray for John and Joe that they would be thoroughly, completely, and totally blessed and refreshed while they're away. Father, we send a word of life and healing to Paul. Father, we say that you laid your hands on the sick and they recovered. You sent your word and you healed them. And Father, in Jesus' name, we speak life and health into Paul's mouth, into those teeth. We pray for a receding of pain. We, we speak a receding of discomfort and we speak life and health into those choppers in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And we speak blessing on Ivan and Sarah on their marriage, on their children, on their grandchildren, on their ministry, and on them being themselves. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I think coffee's ready now. I think.